Welcome. You made it to the Secret Society of Success. In this not-so-secret podcast, we interview L&D changemakers about how they approach the evolving corporate environment and cultivate their own careers. We hope that from their stories, you find lessons and inspirations to make yourself, your people, and your organizations more successful. In this first season, we're exploring the topic of hybrid learning, what that means at different organizations, why it is increasingly important, and how L&D leaders can invest in the right resources to best leverage it. Today, we're going to set the scene of what hybrid learning is and how it's changed in response to a hybrid workforce. To do that, we've invited Ann Rollins. Ann is the Vice President of Custom Solutions and the Chief Solutions Architect for the Ken Blanchard Companies. And she's going to share some experiences that Ken Blanchard themselves has had, as well as some of the really interesting findings from their research report published in 2020, L&D in a Hybrid World. Anne, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for taking the time today. Really quickly, before we jump into the actual uh, podcast itself and start to dig into the topic of hybrid, uh, why don't you introduce yourself and share a little bit about your background to the audience for those who may not be familiar with you? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Ann Rollins, and I am, um, as as you mentioned, our Vice President of Custom Solutions at the Camp Blanchard Companies. And my role, um, I, I oversee our teams of solution architects, our, our custom instructional designers, and our production teams. And basically, our role is to support our sales organization and to be able to come to the table and work with our clients who are really trying to solve really large leadership problems. And so our team, our solution architects, work with our clients to help identify and then formulate a journey. And then we work to help them breathe life into it. Um, And then the rest of the Blanchard team comes in and and plays their part from a design perspective. And then, of course, a delivery perspective, measurement, and all of those kinds of things. That's awesome. To set the stage properly, I'd like to start our discussion by defining some key terminology, because I, I, I believe that um, in, in many situations in business, you know, terms are used interchangeably and, and sometimes they mean different things to different people. Uh, sure. So I'd, I'd love to level set for our audience with a couple of definitions um, from your perspective. So sure. if we can, I'm just going to list out the term. You jump in with what your definition is. So let's start with uh, blended learning. What does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we think about blended learning at Blanchard, we're talking about learning that supports learners wherever they are, whenever they are right? It might be a person who has 10 minutes at 10 o'clock at night because they are working in a warehouse as a leader. Or it might mean that it is behind a desk in an office in a traditional setting or a home office. Um, But really, you know, could mean infusing some virtual learning, some digital, some field work, which is what we call kind of the, the connective tissue that happens between formal moments of learning. And it could be triad activities that they're going and doing on their own, maybe conversations with their leaders, um, or, or even infusing coaching into the mix. So really, it's it's the infusion of all of the different modalities, but in a really great curated way that resonates with our learners because it meets them where they are, and it's easy for them to do their development work within the flow of their work in many cases. What about hybrid learning? Mm. Yeah, you know, this, this term is kind of flying around out there, and it's it's a kind of a misnomer. So when we think about hybrid learning, usually it's an attempt to blend virtual and live participants into a single synchronous session. 
It's a tough delivery method to pull off really well. Although, you know, over at LT in London, which is the Learning Technologies Conference, there are actually some technology companies that are coming up with technology that's making hybrid learning a more effective way to be able to reach your learners if you have to go that route. So blended, you know, just to recap, blended is about blending the delivery method to meet the learner where they are. Whereas hybrid is really in in your terms and what you guys are seeing more of creating a, a, a single session that's for both people remote and maybe in person as well. Exactly. Yep. Okay. What What about virtual learning? Yeah. You know, at Blanchard, virtual learning, we define it as, as the human-driven live component of a learning journey. Um, you know, whether we're talking about, say, a course that has three virtual sessions, and of course, I mentioned earlier with the blend, our virtual instructor-led training always has field work. So there is always work that's happening in between them. You know, or it might be a live Inspire session that serves as this live event that's created to build and extend on what learners have already completed um, in their formal journeys. Um, And so really to us, virtual equals a human element. Awesome. Okay. And then last but not least, what about digital learning? So, So for us, You know, digital learning really means anything that is designed to be uh, consumed in a self-directed way first. So it could be your traditional SCORM package, you know, your e-learning course where you click next to continue. And we have some courseware that is built in that way, SCORM packages. But um, for us, it also means collections of micro-learning nuggets that are woven together to create a cohesive experience. So for instance, it might be um, a selection of videos, a podcast, an ebook, perhaps an activity for you to go and try, a self-assessment, and then maybe some action planning work that you might be doing. So for us, digital looks quite different from what it might look like for other organizations. Thank you for the for taking the time to define those terms, Anne. I think it's helpful for the audience, you know, uh, to just set the right context as we continue to unpack the world. Um, of learning and development in this hybrid world that we're <laughs> that we've been thrust into over the last two years. Um, so to jump right in, what you know issues or specific challenges are you guys seeing that learning teams are facing as a result of trying to work with and engage a hybrid workforce, where you have um, maybe some parts of the audience there in person in the office, you have some parts remote, or a mix of everything. Yeah, and maybe I'll start with some statistics from our. Um from our learning survey, which was completed in in Q4 of last year, you know, really kind of stepping aside from the hybrid learning question for a moment, you know, Blanchard, when when COVID changed the world as we know it two years ago, Blanchard uh, was a company that 90% of its business was face-to-face training. And certainly there was some virtual training available, there were digital courses, but we were known as a face-to-face world-class leadership development company. And that was the for, the formative thrust on how the work got done. Um, you know, and, and really, you know, when you think about when you think about the future, where right now, today, 92% of our delivery is designed and built for a blended experience. So something that blends virtual and digital. So it's that great blend of self-directed. It's got some formal learning moments. It's got coaching. It's got social learning. Yeah, but really, in the last couple of years, when we think about engaging our hybrid, our hybrid learners and the hybrid workforce, you know, the big themes that we saw from the Learning Trends Survey 
that we did um, just, you know, at the end of 2021 is that people are overloaded, they're tired, they're too busy to learn. Um, the level of connection is dropping, you know, between, between individuals at work, and we all have felt that. Um, and it certainly creates a new dynamic for work. And then you add to that that L&D has been stretched and really dissatisfied with converted offerings. You know, there was this huge swing that, that in March and April of 2020, you know, in order to survive, we've got to take everything. Like this was literally the, the, the wild activity that was happening around the globe in L&D. Everybody had to transform everything from, from face-to-face to virtual or to digital. And there are some challenges there because the people who are building face-to-face learning don't necessarily have the skills to be able to design for effective engaging VILT. And in fact, on the conference circuit, VILT probably had five to 10% of the total airtime at conferences like ATD and, um, and the Learning Guilds, um, LSCon and DevLearn and other conferences. And so there wasn't even a lot of opportunity for most practitioners to even begin to learn how to do that well. And so suddenly the mandate happened. We had to change on a dime. Um, but, but really kind of fast forward two years. And as you know, we, we were at ATD and spoke on design thinking for learning experiences. I'm in Salt Lake in August of last year. We were just at LSCon two weeks ago and people have made the leap, but here's where they are today. You know, really, they know that if they could have waved a magic wand back then, is what they did, what they actually would have done if they could have done it right? And in almost all cases, the answer is no. And so this is really an incredible time for being able to sit back and think about what what does good look like? and, And what are we going to do to really engage our learners? And so much of that now is through doing really great persona work so that we can reach learners wherever they are around the world and be able to dis- to create a unified learning solution that meets the needs of a number of different personas that all have unique needs. So kind of a long story, but really it's been this extraordinary, very, very fast moving, but now it's, it's almost like the organ, you know, as an industry, we are maturing and moving in this direction that's the way learning probably should have been happening all along. That's great. And I think that there's a lot, a lot there in that story. I mean, the fact that you guys that even yourselves at Blanchard as an organization in a matter of a, you know, call it a 24 month period went from 90% face-to-face delivery to having 92% of your delivery be designed in a blended model. I mean, that's, that's an accomplishment that shouldn't be overshadowed there. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a significant shift. It's a, it's an impressive accomplishment um, for you guys as a business. From that story, what I took away, it sounded to me, you know, like ultimately the context of the world and the pandemic created a need for learning organizations, L and D groups all across the world to flip on a dime immediately and just adopt a new delivery approach and method, right? Maybe maybe they were thinking about it, maybe it was out there, but it had to happen and it had to happen overnight. And now I think what, what you were just saying, Anne, is that the groups across after having to transform, flip on a dime and, and kind of almost adapt in a survival mode are now getting the opportunity to look at what they're doing in this new way 
and try to define what, what is good. How do we make this the best possible product for our audience and meet them where they are um, versus, you know, maybe having them physically come to where we are, uh, which still at times has challenges. What are, what are some of the challenges that the, the top challenges that you guys are seeing that are groups are facing when trying to define that good and, and deliver it? Yeah, for sure. And there are definitely some challenges and I'll pull this right from our learning survey. But before I do, I want to, I want to go back to Blanchard's story. It took every heart and soul in our business to be able to make that happen. Our president talked about the flywheel. Like you think about the flywheel in an engine, basically exploding, right? It's like you need a new flywheel and it, it caused every process to have to change. And so think about this. This was our story. We're a learning and development company, but in businesses that are not learning and development companies, every process around how learning happens had to change. Every process around how they reach people, the processes for engaging people, for communicating with people, everything had to change. Your project management approaches have to change. Your technology strategy has to change. And so this extraordinary effort that really, um, and the toil, the toil for so many learning organizations was something unlike we'll ever see now. What I'll say is that, you know, for those who are kind of the dreamers in industry and have been kind of following along the conference circuit and in publications since 2011 and 12 and 13, it was like this vision of being able to build journeys that were deployed and supported by seamless, great technology. It was almost like this promise that was never going to come through, but but given the toil, there are some really great solutions out there now that make these things that were a dream in early 2020, the reality for the way a lot of organizations learn. But some of the challenges, let's go to the challenges that we're that we've seen as a result, and that I'm when I'm talking to clients on the phone, these are the things that we had been hearing. You know, in our learning survey, 59% of respondents said they knew they needed more learner engagement, 59%. 54% said that their learners wanted more social interaction. 50% said they wanted more learning touch points over time. 46% said they wanted integration in the flow of work. It's too hard for me now to step outside of the flow of my work to be able to go and do my learning. And then 38% said that they wanted more accountability to finish. And so when we think about these kinds of challenges as a result of the new virtual and digital designs, you know, what we're hearing is that learning practitioners and their learners want learning that works better for them. And so it's really about rethinking your content strategy from the learning professional perspective that I need to teach my learners how to do X, Y, and Z to I need the people in our customer care department to be able to hit these key objectives. And what do they need to do that? What are the skills that they need? What are the competence they need to be able to demonstrate that? And then from there, how do I build to a strategy that is there's going to allow them to get what they need when they need it? Because so much of the learning happens where we preload it by the time they need it, they don't even remember it. You know, how do we make tools that are ready um, and easy for them to learn and easy for them to find and then use when they need them. And, and certainly, certainly being able to stretch learning out so that it, it happens over time. When we're, when we're learning to perform a skill outside of work, 
you know, for some things that are a quick task, we might go, you know, online and we might find a video to show us how to do it, you know, but, but for me, example, you know, if, you know, one of the things that I want to do is I want to go into a sommelier course and become a sommelier, you know, that is a sophisticated skill set. And there are courses, become a sommelier in just 14 days. That's not going to work. <laughs> these are skills that scaffold. There's knowledge that has to scaffold piece by piece, one onto the next. And it needs to happen over time. And there are so many skills in our lives that we need to be learning over time. And so that quick hit virtual converting eight hours of ILT into two, four hour sessions, it's just not working for people. What I take away from that as well, right, is... It's like you said, you've got a, a learning professional and you've got the learners who are both saying the same thing. We need right. to get, right. we, we need to, you know, get this information in the right people's hands to accomplish business objectives at the right times. Right. I mean, it sounds like from what I'm hearing, you know, a lot of this is going to be really relevant to how you think about content design because you just hit on you know a huge takeaway for me is you can't just take your traditional instructor-led course it's built and designed this way to be delivered over maybe a couple sessions over a couple different hours over a couple days and flip that to be virtual shorten it up a little bit because people's attention spans change when they're in front of a computer and not in front of a human uh, and think that you're okay right I think it's it really is I would imagine going to hinge a lot on how organizations think about the content they're delivering and delivering it the right way at the right time. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I've, I've done a number of sessions on the conference circuit that's really literally called reimagining your content strategy. And, you know, as we delivered our session at LSCon about using design thinking to create high impact learning experiences, you know, part of that is when you're using design thinking, you're really starting with the who and the persona work, right? And then from there, you're looking at kind of what you're solving for. And then from there, you're going into ideation of what the solution could look like. Solutions can look like a lot of things. Um, but but so many of us have, you know, like long form courses, long form VILTs. So when I say VILT, I'm talking about virtual instructor led training. Well, what about what about, you know, looking at, say, a, a series of VILTs that might be a total of six hours, three two-hour virtual sessions. And what about framing it and looking at each discrete activity that's happening in that virtual instructor-led training, looking at the time it's taking, what is the outcome, and what is another way that you would be able to frame that for your learners? So, so instead of it being me doing a six-minute content introduction, why couldn't we have them maybe um, read an article or have a, a quick um, a quick explainer video and then complete a self-assessment? Check, check, done, done, right? And so that covers kind of that module. And so we actually have templates and tools, and we'll share those um, with listeners too. And it's a simple template, but it just walks you through taking something that was and how could you reimagine it in a way that is going to be more nimble? and more, more user-friendly for your learners. I love the takeaway of, of that, the idea of design thinking, right? Looking first at the persona, who are we trying to address? What are we trying to accomplish <laughs> with yep. this? And then, okay, what's the best solution to accomplish that outcome? 
and, and looking at what you have and mapping it to, you know, maybe some other alternatives that you haven't thought of yet. Um, let me ask you a new, a new question to kind of, kind of continue on this topic, but less about challenges. What, what are a few key things that, you know, learning teams should be planning for or actioning on right now to continue to evolve to that picture of what good looks like? Yeah. You know, and I, I've said it a couple of times, but it can't be it can't be said too many times at this point, you know, to 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 bring in a design thinking approach and not like full capital D, capital T design thinking, but a lighter approach and really focusing on the who first and staying with the who. Um, so building out your personas. And we do this work with our clients, you know, really getting clear on who we're solving for, what do we want them doing, thinking, saying, and feeling differently as a result? Because when I do that, that becomes my true north on what I'm designing to. And so as we get into the design and for our, for our, the learning journey. So at Blanchard, we have a number of different models. So we sell our off the shelf programs. We might have clients who love SL2 and they want to bring SL2 into the organization. We have other clients who say, you know, we have we have a level, a senior level leader group that is actually our pool, our candidate pool for our next level vice presidents. And they are missing some fundamental skills. We want them prepared for that move. And so we're really looking for a journey that happens over time that's going to scaffold skills for them. And so being able to create that, what are they going to do, think, say, feel differently as a result allows us when we're going into a process for a lengthy journey and we're building out maybe some custom things is we can go back to that persona and that that learner resonance exercise. And it's our true north. Is this going to support this, you know, doing, saying, thinking, feeling differently? And if not, maybe it's not required. Maybe it's a nice to have, but not a need to have. And so that really helps us with the content approach. But also when we use that approach and we've got our persona defined, then we can really start looking at like, how are we going to build out a journey framework for these learners? Something that is going to, you know, provide multiple touch points. It's going to provide a blended journey that allows learners to have a lot more control over their experience. Because if I've got 10 or 15 minutes, I can pop in, do my work and pop back out. Um, and that's, you know, that's another really great tool that I'll share is um, we've got We've got templates for building personas and um, the journey framework model. And these are things that help you decide how are you going to measure this solution? What are the push and pull elements? How are we going to push content to our people? How are we going to pull them back and bring them back in? What does that look like? Where are opportunities for social learning using, using what we have in the ecosystem today? You know, so we've got, I've got um, a lovely client who is deploying a long journey 18, uh, actually with the, the capstone, it's 20 weeks long on the degree platform. And we're using discussions to tie back everything they're learning to their fundamental frontline leader DEI competencies. And so all of those discussions happen on Microsoft Teams. So you don't have to have a sophisticated platform that does it all. It's about getting really creative about the tools you do have and finding ways to, to use them in meaningful ways that support the learning goals. I love that. I think, you know, the, the couple of notes I was jotting down as you were, as you were speaking, and I, I think that that specific example is a, that you shared as one of them is a really good one. That You have a very clear persona. It's a senior manager 
group that is the candidate pool to become a VP. What you need to be a VP in that organization is different than when you, what you need to be a senior manager. Okay, that's what I need to get their competencies to. I've got something to map to. I know there's a certain time horizon. Now, how do we build the right approach and the right framework facilitating that? That is really such a nice true north because it can bring you back each time saying, hey, is this going to help us accomplish that goal? Okay, now it makes sense you know, to you know, apply that journey uh, or, or apply this tool to that journey, right? And I think that's a, that's a really, I believe, valuable takeaway that our audience can think about. And even just using that example, because I think that's one that could be relatable to most people in their own organization. Think about what that would be like in your organization. Okay, yeah. well, now apply that to your same logic to your new persona. Right. You know, one of the other things, too, is that we'll have clients that will say, these are our management competencies, and we need a journey built to our management competencies. And the competencies are really important because organizationally, they're they're a true north. These are the these are the expected um, competencies from a more typically a more kind of a research based perspective. But we want to know what does that look like in practice and in real life? What is how does that how they show up when they have that? Because that helps us to really suss out what are the what are the kinds of activities that we want them doing? What are the kinds of conversations we want them having with their leaders? Because it's so important that, you know, when we're talking about engaging um, these these learners who are who are still scattered, you know, to be able to create organic opportunities where they're discussing with people, where they're having conversations with their leader. And particularly, I mean, our obviously ours is the leader context. I work for Blanchard. But I came from, before I was at Blanchard, um, shortly before the pandemic started, I came from a custom content company. And so we were building training on how to build nuclear subs and customer service and you know medical, pharmaceutical type sales training. So any kind of training. But when I talk about it, it's the leader context because that's my world. Um, but opportunities for conversations to happen between the people who are learning and the people who lead them. And getting the opportunity for them to learn from the experience of their leader. I'll give you a simple example, but, and this could be rendered, whether it's customer service training or it's technical skills training, but imagine at the end of of a live session, you know, some of that kind of, I call it that interstitial work, that connective tissue, you know, they're going to, they're going to have a one-on-one with their leader after every live session. And then using an example for one that has nine modules of content. So nine live sessions over time. We give them two prompts to talk about with their leader. Now, of course, their leader has not gone through this training. So they've not had the benefit of understanding the model and the skills. But what does that give to me? It gives me an opportunity to be able to hear about something real that's happening. For instance, share with me a time when you were not as empathetic as you needed to be with one of your employees. And what was the impact on that? And me, I've just gone through a module on awareness and empathy, and and I'm able to hear the story, a real story, about about perhaps damaged reputation or broken trust. And I'm able to bounce that story, that real story, off of what I just learned and go, oof, that's a cautionary tale. I don't want to be, I, you know, I want to be the better leader. Um, And so giving the opportunities for that organic connection between your learners and the people who lead them, or people who work beside them, someone more senior than them. That's a really easy thing to infuse. And it's extraordinarily valuable, especially in today's world. That's a great nugget. I think that, you know, the idea of just 
infusing that one-on-one and be able to, you know, take that away as part of a tool to add into the learning journey. I, I love that. That is, that's great. You know, could you, we've talked a lot about using design thinking, you know, reworking this, this journey and, and how to approach, you know, changing your content, changing your delivery methods at really at a high level throughout all of this, right? And I think that that's something that uh, most learning organizations are realizing, especially over the context of the last 24 months, is hugely important. How can you start, right? You, I think that, that well, that's one really good takeaway of, you know, mm-hmm. add those one-on-one conversations as part of your modules. But what are some other, you know, key tactical takeaways our audience can have leaving this conversation to help, you know, rethink, if you will, um, how how you're delivering your content and how you're reaching your audience better. One aspect that we didn't talk about yet, which is a really big deal for for us, is measurements. And so many so many learning organizations are still kind of in infancy in terms of measurement. So measuring measuring your 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 confidence and your readiness to apply new skills. And where are you today post-learning? Where were you before learning? And you know, we don't do we don't do a pre-assess at Blanchard because people always overstate their skills. You know, they'll say, Oh, I'm great at setting goals. And then they have the goal setting module and they're like, oh, I I actually, that's not how I did it. And how I did it was not as great as I thought I was. And so So infusing measurement into everything that you're doing so that you can see what's working quickly and make modifications to it. And so just being able to ask, you know, what is your confidence and your readiness to apply XYZ skill in your work? And that's right after they complete their learning. And then 60 days later, you go out and you post them again and you let them know this is really important for you to be part of this because if, if we're not hitting the mark, this gives us the evidence that we need to be able to shift to what we're doing. And so that's a really important piece that I think warrants some conversation. And, and measurement, a lot of folks are nervous because it, they feel like it's cumbersome or it's difficult. You know, you can do it in a lot of ways. We, we use Teams polls in live team sessions because we can save them and we can pull, we can export the data and save it over time. You could use MS Forms to be able to grab that. And for, for a lot of it, for sessions where we're doing digital learning, that really nice blend, digital learning with live component, we're actually doing the, the um, measurement surveys. We're actually doing it as part of the live session, like in the last four minutes. So, so please do it. That way we can make that, that case of how important it is and, and really where we're hitting the mark and, and where we should change things for the next group going through. And then, of course, that 60-day follow-up, they understand, you know, this becomes really important because, um, you know, we want to see your confidence, your competence grow. But, of course, that means I've got to have a sustainment strategy, right? I've yeah. got to be able to have resources for them to go back to, which becomes another part of the picture. So when you're thinking about it, you know, question it all. It's not just the design. It's your stakeholder involvement, getting your executive stakeholder, your sponsors involved early. It's keeping your... Um, leaders of participants appraised of what's happening so that they can hold learners accountable for behavior change. Um, it's about the measurement piece, you know, now and and at some point in the future. So it's the it's the whole thing, the elegant design, of course, and the sustainment strategy. We call we actually call that the five critical success factors 
um, at Blanchard, we have a white paper on, I'll pull the link so that we can share that with folks. But when we're thinking about those kinds of things early, and we're, when we're, especially when we're going through a rethink on, you know, if we could redo this, what would we do with it? And when we factor those five critical success factors in, it's money. You know, you're just, you're going to hit the mark with a solution that works that you can prove. And that's really where we're trying to get. Yeah, that's great. I think those are very you know clear and, and simple and actionable you know, takeaways. I love the idea of the measurement. I think that's huge, right? Uh, the confidence Measuring confidence and readiness to apply the skills and doing it not only then right at the right at the point of the end of that moment in time, um, but also 60 days later, I think is great. Um, and that's an interesting takeaway on the uh, avoiding um, pre-session assessments because they because they tend to get overstated. So I think that's uh, that's a awesome. fun but not surprising. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, listen, nothing wrong with someone being confident, right? Right. Right. <laughs> That's right. But don't skip my data with yes, your compliments. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's a that's a good takeaway for the audience. I think a lot of people. Uh, I wouldn't have. Th- I, I personally wouldn't have thought of that in the past. So I think that that's that's great. Um, I, and I love you know like I said this earlier, but I, I really love your focus, especially in those five critical success factors of making sure the stakeholders are involved, and also the the leadership involvement in the actual coursework or delivery itself, right? Those follow-up one-on-ones, those discussions, those stories uh, that uh, an employee can take away with their leader on how uh, applying a skill or a real-life situation had an impact. I mean, you know, in my, it's my personal belief that those stories are really the things that actually can ultimately cement uh, a, a lesson in practice. So I love that takeaway, and, and hopefully that's something that uh, the audience can really uh, start to apply to their, their learning journeys. Cause I think that's really valuable. What else, any other sort of closing thoughts and you, you think that we need to cover that the uh, audience can get value out of, you know, a lot of them will say, I, I don't know what all the options are. So if I'm taking four hours of VILT and I've got to do something with it. And my, my analogy that I use, like, imagine if you go to like a picnic and you get your picnic basket and all your stuff's in there and you're laid out on the blanket I'm going to grab that picnic, that picnic blanket, and I'm going to grab it. and I'm going to shake it. And I'm just going to grab the things that I want that are flying from what was all together in a nice, neat package. And I'm going to retell a new story with just the things that I want from it. And so their question becomes, what, what are my options for doing something different? Let's say I've got a group activity that happens in a virtual classroom and it lasts about 15 minutes. What are my options to do something different with that experience? And so I've got an entire list of options of things. Just it's a massive brainstorm of all the really great stuff that you could be thinking about to do something different. And so I think kind of opening our minds to it doesn't have to be click next to continue. It doesn't have to be an article. It doesn't have to be a live PowerPoint presentation with a facilitator talking to it. It could look like so many different things. And so I think that, that that's another really important part of the puzzle. That's great. I, I, I really appreciate all the resources that you're, uh, you're going to be sharing over to us. And we'll include all those, uh, all those links in, in our show notes so that the audience can go uh go have themselves lots of homework and lots of resources to continue to, to improve on, on the learning journeys that are happening within their organizations. And, and this has been fantastic. If the audience wants to 
hear more from you and learn more about what you're doing. What's where's the where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, um, and Renee Rollins. So I'm the only Anne Renee Rollins, and I have red hair, so you won't miss me. <laughs> um, so there and on Twitter, Annie Baby Can, and uh, I think those are the two kind of places where I tend to be reasonably active. If you attend conferences, I'm I'm always there. But like my closing, my closing thought and inspiration for all of you is like L and D. This is our moment. This is our moment to shine. And for all of the pulling and cajoling of all the years of trying to innovate and saying, ah, no one wants to innovate. Suddenly everyone had to innovate at warp speed. And this is work where we absolutely have the opportunity to be the champions. And I, I firmly believe that. And it has been a joy and an honor to help and share, share what's working. I mean, we've made mistakes along the way, don't get me wrong, but to share what's working because we have all of these opportunities right in front of us for us to do different and great things for our organizations and for our employees too. Thanks, Anne. I love that closing thought. It's inspiring. And I think it is uh, definitely an inspiring time to be in, in the world of learning and development, uh, both for you and, and for the teams, given the context. So um, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Thank you for joining us for our debut episode of The Secret Society of Success, Lessons and Inspiration from Corporate Learning and Development. We're diving into hybrid learning with four more episodes releasing June 1st. The Secret Society of Success is hosted by Mimeo, the better way to print. Check out our sister podcast, Talk of the Trade, for tips and tricks for sales and marketing leaders. Visit www.mimeo.com for more information.